who I was in 2005 to who I was in 2015 was just like a metamorphosis. Hmm. And the only way I would have gotten there is by being like destroyed. I hope people can understand this because it's hardcore to talk about it, but it was very funny. Like that kind of depression and that kind of like grieving and to be like, ah, I'm a very sad, rich person. You know, like everybody feel bad I'm, emo- emotionally, I'm busted out, but like I'm doing well. Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. We're doing it the right way anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. I do this thing and I always fuck up where I start talking before you've had a chance to do your initial whatever it is that you do so i'm gonna say nothing and i'm just gonna sit here and enjoy for a second and and not to try to take over the entire thing so travis it's it's all on you well we've already started now (laughs) Now (laughs) i don't even get an introduction at this point because i fucked it up (laughs) all right no i'll I'll do i'll do an official one what's everybody welcome back to the travis makes friends podcast today i have the absolute pleasure of making friends with the one the only legendary dane cook what's up dude what's going on trav how you doing man Doing, doing well, man. Doing I well. I feel like we're already friends just from the DM just conversation, from right? From <laughs> scheduling and back channel conversations. Yeah. I kind of feel like we have history. Yeah. yeah I, I was looking at, it, I think it was like November of last year or something. Yeah. The first time we were like, hey, is there a chance that we can do this? And you know, like, it's time to get together when you have to scroll back for something and you get to go like this. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, where does Travis and I start? Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Well, it's good to finally be here. Yeah, dude. I, yeah. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you got bunch of stuff going on, which I'm super excited to talk about. Of course, about. and you, you've completely thrown off my entire schedule, Travis. What the fuck? You're welcome. Yeah, That's I, what friends do, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pull each other out of That's schedules you know. for miscellaneous I, bullshit. Yeah. That's how you know your friends. Yeah. Hey, man, I need you to it's help like, me only clean out a storage this day, unit dang. today. Get to the studio. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, look, I, I, I've, it's so weird when you meet people that you've been watching for decades because crazy to be saying i've done something that people watch for decades i didn't even realize it until you were you were kind enough to give me and a couple buddies tickets to the uh, the show at the laugh factory a couple nights ago and you got up there and you're like i've been doing this for 32 years and i was like holy shit i know right like that makes me feel old so (laughs) i assume that it could only make you feel that way as well okay so there's a weird benjamin buttons thing with me where i felt very old when i was younger like from 15 to 22 I realized I'd spent way too much time like trying to handle my household like and do things with up. my mom yeah. and being like almost in a way the dad of the family. Yeah. And so I hit 30 and was like, oh, I was way too serious. Yeah. So as I've enjoyed this career longer, I think I I think it kind of put me in some kind of reverse mode where now 32 years later, I'm like, I'm enjoying it like it's that first mm. run. So yeah. for a lot of reasons, it's uh, it's kind of bonkers, but I'm having the time of my life. Yeah, you know what's crazy to me, man, is like I was realizing recently that you have never drank, never done drugs. That is true. And that's, is that some sort of a factor of your of your dad or really your whole family in Boston kind of like abusing alcohol or? Well, certainly when you grow up, you know, the neighborhood we grew up in, a lot of Irish Catholic, a lot of imbibing, 
Yeah. Certainly a lot of summer nights where you would hear two things, uproarious laughter and two people like bitching at each other about something that seems so minutia and miscellaneous. But as I think my, my dad once said, uh, got a real barn burner going on over here and it would, you know, the guthros were fucking going at it. I think for me, this has been something in my own therapy over the years. I've, I've tried to understand because a lot of people go, well, your dad drank and you saw his misgivings and did that make you Sure, I think to some extent my mom was always like, hey, be the best part to your dad. And, you know, just know mm -hmm. that getting sozzled every night is probably not going to help. But I, I'd actually like to think it was more, I had a really good friend in junior high school, my best friend of this day, his name's Al, Al Del Benny. And Al was like kind of the school, you know, he was the one who met everybody in the woods before school <laughs> and they got hammered. And, and I remember in like eighth or ninth grade, Al like turning to me one day, and being like you don't need this i need this hmm. and it was a weird thing it made like a it made an impact on me and i realized like okay he was giving me permission like I, to, to hang with all of us you don't need to do this to fit in yeah i need it because i'm nervous and i'm and he was really honest with, it was like this very like unorthodox sure well coming of age moment yeah you right know when I mean? you're 13 you know yeah but it was like that. the brotherhood of the traveling pants <laughs> uh sequel happening right there but but truly it was that it, it was almost like something in that gave me a modicum of do i need that to enjoy life sure. and it certainly wasn't a plan to do it forever but i was like let's see if i can go through these formative years where i already was dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety and dealing with alcoholism at home like yeah Maybe it's not something that I need to partake in. Yeah, well, I mean, it's obviously not just because your dad was that way, because a lot of people just follow the pattern of what happened before them instead sure. of going the opposite way. Right. So there's there's some combination of yeah. factors. Yeah, it's a bunch of stuff, too. I like, I, I've always kind of enjoyed being a, a disruptor, and, mm. and that even probably means just like, okay, if everybody's playing being the game like this, sure. I'd like to do, you know, whether that's a good thing or bad, it's always just kind of been my version of let me see if there's a different way to do what the gang is doing it's and by the way that sounds it sounds glamorous to kind of put it like that but it was also in my own need to be isolated and by myself because of yeah. anxiety it was probably like if i do it differently i also don't need to put myself out there with everybody as much sure so it's yeah, like yeah. a two-hander well it's certainly more unique considering the career field Right? It's like it's not like you're a pastor and you're like, I swore off drinking and drugs so that I can preach the word. Right. You know what the I mean? The devil's like, a serum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I no longer imbibe. Right. No, exactly. it was and I was surrounded by it because yeah, the, I, the I, job I picked I mean, was everybody was, you know, glug glug. That's or like part snorting of the culture, something. Right? Oh, I mean, oh, totally. That era, you were coming out of the Boston era, like cocaine built the yeah. 80s comedy machine. Mm. So I came into it when the era was quite literally people saying, how do you want to get paid tonight, the Coke or the money? Really? Oh, yeah. That was that was like all the guys around me. And so, of course, I was like, I'll take the cash. Yeah. yeah. I would like to Small eat Small bills, possibly, yeah. please. I'm going to stop at BK Lounge on the way home and get a Whopper. <laughs> no, it was, it was really like me, I think early in my career, just making that one of my first strong decisions, which was I, I'm going to take this very seriously. And I think yeah. that means not partying at night, but going home and studying and figuring out how to become a better comic. Yeah, which you obviously did. It was funny. I was doing some research before this. So yesterday, watched a couple of your specials. It was it, the juxtaposition <clears throat> was very interesting because in the last bit in Above It All, right. you talk about this 
horrible experience where you were it was like right. the only time you ever considered quitting comedy true and it was a terrible terrible bomb a terrible yeah. humiliation and driving all the way down to florida florida for, for yeah to be just like get my ass to stand on a hot me. dog yeah. stand and have hot, hot dogs dog thrown stand, at you. The people throwing fucking food at me and just yeah. yeah it was just went from bad to worse to fucking brutal to my god this is awful to fuck why am i doing this yeah that was like the levels of the seven levels of grief <laughs> were like yeah. it sounded like high notes but to it me happened at that point. in an hour not over it, it, six months it really you know? did it condensed it really did into a crazy experience yeah. Yeah. that yeah. made it, you reconsider everything essentially. it was a lot of things it, you know that you you see throughout a career was happening in a consolidated yeah. road trip moment <laughs> but but then we so we watched that one first okay and then we turned on vicious circle okay and so it was really interesting watching you tell that story, which you can see like the pain that you felt in that moment. Right. And you clean it up with a, with a great punchline at the end of the joke. I don't want to ruin it if anybody's right. not listening or hasn't seen it, but, but go but watch it, above but it You all. know what's funny? It's, it's, uh, it's interesting because it's a punchline, but at the same time, it's probably one of the most, I worked on the bit a lot. And it was like, my goal there was like something that's a punchline, but, but also very different from a traditional punchline, which is like, can it be funny, but have like, all of the truth that I felt in that moment. And you can see it yeah. in your eyes when you're telling the story because it's an obvious like pain point <laughs> right. of a moment where right. it's like, it's like we talked about, it's, it's severe accumulated rejection just like hosed over you like a fire hydrant in that yeah. moment. I think, and, I think to understand comedy, people don't realize that you never get over the moment when people don't like you. It doesn't matter how big the arena is. Yeah, Your best pitch is a pitcher. And then your worst loss leads to, for the rest of your life, going, I need to be as good as that pitch. And that's it. Mm. And it's kind of like a vicious circle. <laughs> no, it's kind of like one of those things where you're, you're constantly – and the only way to really, I think, like fucking to break through that is to lean into your creative evolution and know as long as I'm not trying to throw that pitch again – I'm trying to throw a new pitch or I'm hmm. trying to look th that keeps you, I think enticed and creative and happy engaged. and creative. Yeah. And yeah. when you see a lot of people go like hit a real, like, like what happened to that person? Right. I think what you're witnessing a lot of times people don't maybe understand in comedy, in music, you know, in the arts is like, that's a person that can't handle that. They have to let everything go and they have to start again and do yeah. what they did before in a new way. Only as good as your last at bat. You know, they have to, we, yeah. we have to, otherwise it's like, yeah, it, it can be like the winters are colder. Yeah, right. <laughs> like really, it's like the road is longer when you're out there just trying to recapture something as opposed to planting a new, you know, seed, a new, a new goal. So watching that moment yeah. unfold, then we turn on Vicious Circle and now you're walking into like, like thinking about you and that car on the road trip leaving florida heading back to new york thinking why am i yeah, doing yeah. this i need to quit <laughs> and then watching you enter the stadium in vicious circle right. with tens of thousands of screaming fans and stuff like in that in boston yeah yeah it was just it was it, like watching it back to back like that was just like a holy shit right. you know like what a cool cool moment that must have been it was because there wasn't like a bunch of arena tours going on with comics yeah I mean, it really was almost zero yeah it, it was <laughs> right. it wasn't even like there wasn't even really a business presentation for that for for the most part yeah so we really were doing something that not since you know 
Dice and Steve Martin yeah, that yeah. anybody had uh, done up to that point. So to be able to capture it with Marty Kulner, who also directed. I was going to say, same director. Cool. So I was going to say, what, what? tell me about that relationship. Like, how, how long have you guys been working together? And yeah. what's, what's come out of that that's positive? Oh, man. You? Well, I mean, I've covered this territory, so I won't like bore you with like the, the backstory of Marty, but I wanted to work with Marty since I was 11. Oh, and really? so, yeah. So when I finally got the opportunity to talk to him about Vicious Circle and tell him, you know, the grand scheme, he was super excited, super gung-ho and helped me to realize it. But also he put me on the map. I mean, my thing was an idea that I knew I was leading up to, but if he wasn't behind the camera and hadn't worked with some of the people that I grew up loving and, and wanting to emulate, mm-hmm. it, I wouldn't be sitting here today without Marty Culner. So mm-hmm. Marty put me on the map there. And then Marty gave me permission when we did Isolated Incident a few years later. The goal of that was to be very intimate in one shot, not 18 cameras in Boston Garden. It was mm. one real-time 58-minute with no cuts. Mm. To do that with Marty and then all these years later be able to do the third you know, go-around with him with Above It All, it was like I felt safer in taking some chances in my comedy kind of evolution sure. and, you know, taking some swings in places or putting myself obviously on my front porch or in a small <laughs> club after people had seen Madison Square Garden and Boston Garden. Right. And they have a certain perspective of what you should be. Sure. To be in their eyes, you know, the the successful comic or whatever it might be. And Marty was really about like, ah, oh, fuck all that. Yeah. It's just about like, how do you want to present this routine? You know, and let's build around that. So my relationship with him has been um, game changing. Yeah. Besides him, are there other people in your life that have acted almost as mentors who've put you on or helped you out throughout the years? Probably some of them not even realizing just, you know, people that I've seen from afar or people that I've gotten to know that they probably don't even realize. They're unofficial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but as far as like just go to, like who would I call? I had a couple of people over the years that were industry legendary industry people like a jerry lewis Mm. who became in some ways almost like a father figure to me and definitely a mentor and that was a guy that had done so much globally through his whole career but in particular his 10 years of like peak power they Mm -hmm. call it like Nobody to this day, like the Biebers and the any comic, nobody's touched it. Nobody's, you know, the Chappelle's, nobody's near what Jerry Lewis did in that time. You know, you'd turn on the TV to see Jerry Lewis at night, and there was only 65 million people watching the show that night. You know, this is when those were the numbers yeah. for somebody like when Dean there were Jerry six television right. channels. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. So to have somebody like him, who it was almost like my stuff was so small fries compared to like. <laughs> yeah. You know, producer, director, you know, he was a technical, he, you know, he built tech. He, the guy was just, a, he was a genius. Mm, and yeah. so to have somebody like him to go to when I was having an off day or, or feeling like I was, you know, I'm not feeling relevant and, yeah. ah, you know, I'm not sure and I don't like what I'm writing and I don't like me or to have him. I had mentors over the years that are not in the arts, not in the business, sure. but for the most part, I, I would say until he passed away, Jerry was like my go to guy. Now, is there anybody that you feel like you've kind of been able to step into that role for? Like like people up and coming that you're like, you know what, I, I, like, yeah. I like this kid. Like they, they're yeah, good I, stuff. I do. I feel like there's, you know, when I realized I was the old bull on the hill, <laughs> it was like when <laughs> comics were starting to come to me and be like, you know, to hear somebody be like, I saw your first 
comedy when I was like eight. <laughs> like, or they'd be like, hey, I saw, you know, employee of the month and yeah. this is my first time seeing you do stand up. But really the engagement of through using, using social media and being able to like yeah. mentor even from a distance and kind of watch people and some people hit me up and say, I got my first this or I got offered a contract from this person. I love helping with legalese. I love helping with mm. keeping your integrity. I love help. I love helping with everything except one thing, which I think any any good up and coming comic be wary of and be you know be cognizant of is I don't care to tell you what to do on stage, and I'm I wouldn't tell you what you should do or what is funny or in terms of like working out the material like nobody should be telling you I ah, shouldn't say that or do this or do that if you have if you're opening for a headlining comedian who says hey you know don't be blue tonight that's because you're taking a gig for them right sure. you're like but I mean just when you're at your gigs my whole thing is if anybody's trying to stifle you they probably see you doing something that intimidates them hmm. so don't change interesting you know I don't care if I I love all kinds of comedy, but you know, if somebody came to me and it was something I, I don't know, that wasn't favorable to me in terms of like what I like to enjoy in standup, I still first thing I would do is say, don't take advice from me or anybody yeah. that has to do with your comedy. Because people tried to do that to me. And if I did some of the things that people really like laid into me on, mm -hmm. now I look back at some of the, my little journal entries and I'm like, so and so that I respect pulled me aside tonight and said, don't do this on stage. And I was like, wow, if you only knew, I respect you. And for you to say, take out the, you shouldn't move around so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, because you don't move around, you sure. think. And so that's my whole thing is, uh, you know, being able to mentor. And there are comics on the rise and, you know, young, you know, up and coming. Yeah, actually, not even just up and coming, people that are arriving at their moment. Yeah. That I feel like delighted that I get to share in their victory laps. And even sometimes when they're, you know, fucking like ugh, I'm, in a, <laughs> I'm in a rut and i'm like okay good now you're really that's really part of like what's going to make it special mm. the ruts yeah you know yeah because yeah, you 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 always had this ability to kind of see the future a little bit in terms of hopping on things that people weren't necessarily on board for or right. you didn't even understand right yeah the, kind of the, shit. the hack for you <laughs> the hack whatever yeah. was was blowing up with myspace sure and this is a time where it's like people didn't even have not everybody had an email yet Right. And now there's just like random social It was really college-centric, college I guess you could say at that point. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because anybody at that time when I'm 27, 28, over 35, like, was like, what's the email? Yeah. Like, right. did not understand. Everybody, there were people that actually on my own team that were like, you know, thought the internet was like a like yeah. a fad. AOL like gonna, instant messenger? Yeah, what's like that? it was going to be a thing for a little bit and then we'd all go back to, you know, the old way of doing it. But no, I quickly identified like, oh, wow, I'm reaching significant amounts of people yeah. by hanging on here after my show. So it was like my meet and greet was like a digital realm. Yeah. And now you have stuff, you have, you know, comics like, like Matt Reif who yeah. blows up with yeah. TikTok, which who is I, who I had similar. featuring for me all the way up until COVID. Oh really? Uh, yeah. 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 Cause that was even pre, like that was before he, he really hit. Right. Well, I mean, Matt saw me when he was 15. I yeah. did an arena gig in his town. Yeah. And he reached out and was like, I want to be a comedian. I said, okay, well, when you graduate high school, come to the Laugh Factory and we'll shoot the shit. I think he came out early with his grandmother. Yeah. And I said, go home, finish school, come back out. And next thing you know, he was, I mean, that's somebody who put in the work on their own. Mm -hmm. You know, no, it, we all could say, oh, I helped give him gigs, but the reality is he did it. I saw 
one thing bringing him on the road and the way he corresponded with my fans, which he was earning new fans every night. But I remember taking a hike with him one night up at uh, Runyon and just saying, you know, really embrace the online hmm. element because he was kind of like, I don't want to be another one of those comics. At yeah. that, he was like, I want to do it. And it was like, no, nah, man, you should really let people get to know you in that way. So my prediction is next year he's going to be the lead dog in terms of the it, face of stand-up comedy. It seems like he's very much on the way if he's not already there. You he's know? got, like, he's got the pedigree people. now. He's got the yeah. act, 12 years of that. He's a great person. And that's always good to he know. He gets it. You know, he knows the he knows the love language of the internet. Yeah. And he's yeah. and he's doing it. So seeing people like Matt, but now I've got like Drew Dunn, who's been on the road with me. I think Drew's gonna have an outstanding career. I you know, if I have people that I push my chips in on, it's guys like Matt, yeah, guys like Drew. So I do like being able to, you know, have that celebratory moment where it's like I'm enjoying three decades of what I do at yeah. a high level three generations of fans coming to see me, but I'm also getting to share my spotlight with people that I think are going to come into their so moment. Which is so cool, man. I, I love watching people succeed, but I love watching people help other people succeed when they're also successful. I just yeah. love the abundance thought process rather yeah. than that scarcity. There's like, room for everybody. Yeah, like for some but reason, not everybody if you're successful, the, the then that means I can't be successful. Oh, it's yeah. Like, it's, well, this it, doesn't make any sense. It's, you know, and I even myself, when I was coming up, I went through my time of ego, but in intimidation where it was like, you could see that people were clamoring for your spot. So that's the only part that, and again, being being able to kind of fortify people, be a, a mentor in that way. Yeah. Mentor sounds like such a weird word, like I'm teaching you <laughs> welding or some shit like that. But to be able to be communicative the as a of the peer, force. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's cool because you go, we're all doing the same thing. Mm. We're just trying to expand our territory, but not everybody is prepared for your moment like yeah. you are. Because of that, you know, there's a, there's the perils of the industry, which is you start zeitgeisting and it only exposing, it ex exposes you to more people that want to come and take you down a peg because yeah. I don't know, maybe they're not happy where they're at or there's a number of reasons that make people like an official hater fan club, Sure, but nothing outside of my own accomplishments or things that I'm putting together makes me happier than seeing somebody I know put this, the sacrifice of, yes. stand I know what it is. You see somebody as an overnight success, and I can go, man, I, you know, Matt was dead broke yeah. two years overnight ago. Overnight success. Yeah, 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 yeah. So to be able to see that, it's like very, um, it's awesome. It's just yeah. really cool to be able to witness that. Just overnight in 12 yeah, years. Exactly. <laughs> 12 exactly, year yeah. overnight, yeah. Do you think that anybody could be a successful stand-up comic? Do you think that, I guess what I'm asking is like, is it innate? Is it talent? Is it, it's obviously reps. It's obviously skill. You have to work through material, but- is there a certain level of like natural ability that you feel like people have to have or is it can, can anybody do it? No, not anybody can do it. I think that first of all, you have to see the world differently. You hmm. have to have your unique perspective. There's not too many comics that you can watch and go, you know, they're strictly observing a moment. You know, you have to be able to like see something and then go, but here's my slant, hmm. right? Yeah. And so I think that not everybody sees the, it's like some people are analytical and then mm -hmm. some people use the other side of their brain and they're just, you know, that's one thing to believe that some people are, are born with. It doesn't mean you can't be a great writer or participating in comedy. Sure. But the person that has that buoyancy to take it to like to some other level, I think that that's a lot of tools, a lot of time put in the 10,000 hours, but mm -hmm. also lady luck, the zeitgeist. Yeah. Is it your time? Are you also prepared for your own success have you done the the personal therapy to go because i've seen people that 
are great. And then when their moment comes along, they, they were destructive and they, they really wanted to probably spend more of their life going, I could have. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. they weren't their, ready to go. Their like internal, I am. their internal thermostat brought them back down to where they yeah, feel it's hard. Like they should That's be. sad to see. And yeah. we've seen that a few times over the years with people, but, but no, I definitely think that like any professional athlete or a doctor or scientist, you have to put in the hours to where you make it look effortless. Yeah. You know, and a good comic makes it look like they're not a great comic. They're just a person hanging out. Yeah. Doing this with a mic. <laughs> and yet you go like, damn, like I seen him work that piece of material. Right. You know, I had some material four or five years mm. where he'd be like, oh, it's still not as funny in the middle. And what can I do? Or what's the inflection? Or what's the, maybe I just, you know, maybe it's in the wrong part of my act. Maybe I need to open it with it. Maybe I need to, maybe I need a, audience reaction i need to instigate something if they say it then they're going to think that next part is off the top and then wait then i'll dovetail it back into the concrete piece of material yeah don't let them see the seams maybe let them see the seams maybe commentary you know i've been thinking about this thing i can't figure it out next thing you know the, the crowd is helping you <laughs> to understand you know their perspective and then suddenly you're going oh that is what's funny about it it isn't what i, I i'm wrong that's yeah. what's funny i'm wrong you're <laughs> so all these things Flipping switches, minority report screens every single night to finally get up there and go, hey, what's up, guys? What's going on? You guys good? Yeah, I was thinking about something. You know, I was at the beach, and then you're not, you know, you're you're on that journey, on that story. Yeah. And only a few comics on the back going, oh, he's doing the beach bit. We've heard this yeah, right. <laughs> for six years. And then <laughs> it's so cool when it finally works, though, and you go, it's kind of like, done and ready for public consumption on a yeah on a on a you know a major a broader scale yeah. yeah when you're working through some of the material that you're that you're coming up with is this something that like do you have like strict writing practices where it's like i write for whatever every day or is it more like i see something i write it down and then i work it out and then i get on stage and try to find the joke in there somewhere or like how intentional or unintentional for about the last you know 18 years it's been more so just improv based on ideas and stories. I've found that, I mean, I've never written anything down in comedy ever. Mm. The only time I ever wrote something down is if I did a late night show and they were like, you need to submit your set list. And even then I found that very difficult Yeah, because I don't like formulaic and I start to feel when it's too like by the numbers, I feel very false, even immediately. Even if it was just like, you know, the second time I do a bit and I know I have to start off by saying I was in a car accident and da, da, da. Like, I didn't even want to say that the same. I, every night I'd be like, uh, I was in a fracas in my car. And the next <laughs> night I'd be like, I was in a vehicular almost. I just don't, yeah. I hate formulaic and I hate repeating. Hmm. So I found that my improv background all the way back at the start of my career, that's where my funniest stuff came from. Because I felt like I was, you don't have time to, you're not trying anything, you're not being false, you're telling a story in real time. Hmm. And even though there are little tricks and cadences you start to learn in stand up, you start to learn little things that, like, I know the crowd likes that. That's yeah. my move. When I do that with my hand, yeah, subliminally, yeah. I knew early in my career there were certain things that just being from Boston and the way I s emphasize something, I remember one night I was like, I don't know, I'm like 20 years old. I'm like, I punched this guy in the face. And my octave, like my, I hit like another tone. Yeah. And they laughed. And I was like, I think they laughed because I said something unusual. But I was like, I think the musicality in that moment sure. mattered as much. 
that stayed with me for to this day. Every once in a while, just randomly on stage, I'll be like, and I am fucking mad. And it's that same thing that reminds you yeah. of the musicality. And so you learn your little, you know, tricks and all that. But for me, once I took away having to lean in on um the story, when you tell a story at a party and people laugh, if you go to another party a month later, you're not trying to tell the story the same way. You're trying to tell that story for different people. Based on who's listening. That's right. Yeah. And you're reacting. And and so I started building about 18 years ago. My stand-up was like, I really look at people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I look and sometimes I'll pick one person like yourself and maybe you, you were pretty close. You were right up front the other night. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you saw that I'll, I'll pull a couple of people in and they're like my anchors. Yeah. And I'm kind of like really looking into your soul at that point because if I see you go like, Remember the girl with her arms crossed yeah. and she wasn't feeling it. She wasn't that, having yeah. it. And and I can look at that and I go like, that's making me feel something. Yeah. That's making me feel something very real. That's what I should be reacting to. Yeah. Not just let me do it the way I did it last night. Well, at least you can but do the is crowd is uncross your fucking arms. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that way. Like, and then suddenly <laughs> oh, she so she funny. doesn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. And it <laughs> makes me feel awkward. And now I'm taking the piss out of myself because I'm like, oh, this girl, I'm not funny. Yeah. But everybody so else funny. is cracking up. It was the perfect. That was great perfect kind of a house of cards moment where everything starts to fall apart in together yeah. well because it was the last it was the last thing that you did like before you walked off stage that's right i was sitting almost directly across from her so i like if i wasn't purposely looking up at you like my natural eye line was going directly to her right so i was watching her the whole time and kind of was thinking the same thing and then when you called her out on it, i was like that's hilarious yes yeah. it's what people are thinking it's obviously what you're thinking She's right in front of you in the front row. Right. You can't help but like see that. This but it was also so engaged. opposite to two couples that right on either side of were her. having like a. They were loving yes. this engagement, this moment. Yes. They were almost bouncing that. Oh, the Price is Right guy. I'm interacting, <laughs> and so my natural reaction is like, "All right, where am I not great?" <laughs> I always am looking for that Who am equalizer. I not right now? Yeah, yeah, is this one right here, and that's great for everybody <laughs> because that's letting them know I I'm very aware. Yeah, when it's not working as well as I'm aware as when it's working. When, so when that you feels opened good. with the ladies of the night joke, ladies she, of the night, she immediately she immediately was like, no, yeah, I don't like she wasn't guy. feeling it when I was talking about the, the the Boston ladies of the night when I used to perform for the uh, the uh, prostitutes yeah, and the wag. pimps. Yeah back in the combat zone of Boston. But <laughs> but again, that's what you're looking for in comedy, you yeah. know? Even though your fans ultimately will come out and see you, you're not growing if you're not sure. seeing those kinds of reactions and going, all right, I'm doing something very different Flipping tonight. Some and people. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, definitely. You're like, you're, you're in a constant disassemble and reassemble as a comic. Right. And like I said, always looking for that thing where you go, how can I play upon the things that now I know there's some comics you ever see the comics that like really laugh at themselves a lot yeah you know that's that's a trick that's yeah. you know that's Bert Kreischer do, <laughs> Bert, that well, I mean but Bert I, I would actually say but Bert is that is so authentic I was gonna say it feels very very genuine I, I, I don't think that's contrived I think with Bert that's a general I, I know Bert a long time yeah. he's one of the few that I wouldn't say but there are other comics where you'll hear them laughing and you're like they you're know telling the audience the to crowd right knows that it's a conversation yeah. even in that moment but i'm going to take bird off the table because i think he's so wholly original so yeah I, uh, I, but most people it's like those little tells those little tricks sure you know yeah yeah. or they they have like an intent like they'll they'll say a joke and i, I kind of catch this with certain people where they're giving a signal that it's okay to laugh like that was True. the punchline. you may now laugh yeah you know? 
I used to <clears throat> watch comics like when I was young, and I I would find all their things. Like like I could you know a a Dennis Miller would always end a sentence ago. Well, um, he would yeah, just yeah. everybody has a little like, thing. Now, that you, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, just little things yeah. that they do. And the Johnny Carson used to do the thing where he'd go up on his toes. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that was like laugh, oh, it's subliminal. That's yeah. The funny part. (laughs) Exactly. What's the line between, I I found this conversation fascinating, the line between comedy and philosophy? Because I feel like the best comics are ones that don't just get you to laugh, but also get you to like think about life. There's always like a line, which is one reason why I'm so against the woke culture and censorship inside of comedy specifically. Because like I said, comedy is an art form that pushes the envelope makes you feel a certain way about right. something, elicits an emotion, and gets you to think about maybe a belief that you have that maybe you shouldn't hold on to too much, or maybe True. you should hold on to it more. Like, what, how do you think about those two things? Oh, man, this is like, I think of it a lot where it's just like, you know, comedy has the ability to just fracture darkness. It, yeah. You know, it's it's a, it's kind of like a, it's like a superpower, mm-hmm. you know? There's a, a way to utilize that as such a, a cauterizing, you know, the mechanics of it, the, you know, th- this question gets my brain spinning because with woke, I feel like, you know, comedy becomes like Gattaca. <laughs> it's really like, oh, damn, I don't, that, I don't want that. I don't want that in life. And I yeah. certainly don't want to walk in and feel this benign, homogenized manila envelope of totally. a stand up comedy show. The reality in the hardest part about where we're at right now is when you go into a club, and you can vibe somebody, you know there's no malice. You know it in that yeah. room. Mm-hmm. So they can say something that may be out of bounds or whatever, and you can under... This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash 
Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Stan, there's no evildoers in here. But if you film that and take that excerpt or you take it out of a special mm-hmm. and you don't have anything around it context and you throw it in front of people that are non-fans of that topic, that excerpt suddenly makes you a target, right? Right. And then they want to squash you or cancel you or whatever it might be. So I feel like to be able to walk into a club or a theater and see somebody speak their mind and be adult enough to know if this person talks about death, Mm -hmm. okay, I've been through it. I went through some real rough shit in my life. I I understand cancer. Mm -hmm. I understand there's nothing funny about cancer, but I also know I'm ready to laugh at certain things so that cancer doesn't suddenly close me off for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. You know, a great comedy show should incite the idea of these bad things, they didn't do it. They're happening anyway. They don't hold They already happened, and they're (laughs) going to continue to happen. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that any of us in this room can do is laugh at the moment because we are born into a life of constant tragedy and constant upheaval yeah. and constant distraction. So it's so strange to be like, who's being so precious about these things, even though you're maybe not ready for death? You're not ready to laugh at that. Yeah. Walk out of the room, leave, take off. Yeah. But to say, man, you offended me personally and therefore you must go away. Yeah, that means you're not you, allowed You're to hurting speak. all the other people that were ready to laugh at that moment. Yeah. All the people that were helped by that moment, how fucking selfish of right. you Everybody to be the person should cater to, say, to how I feel exactly. about this. Yeah. It's so capsizingly ridiculous. Damaging. Damaging. So, yeah, and yeah. I continue to do just stress to comics coming up when they go, I'm nervous to say what's on my mind. I say this. Listen, is it your truth? Did the weird thing with the words that you're not supposed to say happen to you? Yeah. Fucking tell the story. Hmm. That's your story. That's your truth. It comes with words and actions that happen to you. Did you do the story? Did the story happen to you? Are you firsthand? Did it happen to the person that you love? You can talk about all that. Yeah. Are you making it up about that person because they look different? Don't do that. Hmm. You shouldn't. Hmm. I still won't tell you personally you shouldn't. You're going to learn that on your own. Sure. But that kind of ignorance to tell a story that isn't yours to tell, that is the place in stand-up that I feel like there's the, the weakness hmm. that probably then circumvents into harming other comics the era of just talking about somebody else's way of life and you know nothing about it it really doesn't make sense sure, it really sure. probably never has and it is ignorant yeah but everything else is fair fucking game as long as those words those things the, those people that group happened to you if you're going to bring me through it and out the other end like i had a bit years ago that was talking about like all the racism that's carved on a bathroom wall now, the bit is silly and it's physical, but I'm saying things that were carved on the about black people. Right? Sure. And I'm showing, I'm saying we're laughing, but look at all the ignorance that somebody took the time to carve on a bathroom stall. And I liked that bit early in my career because I was like, oh, I'm showing a little bit of like, this is the ignorance that's around us. And we were able to laugh at that. Sure. So yeah, yeah. for all those reasons, I feel like, please continue to support comics saying whatever you think might offend you. Yeah, I remember pretty early on when I was like getting into comedy a little more because I grew up 
I grew up extremely religious, so I was not allowed to listen to any of your stuff oh, really? growing up. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to listen to anything with any cussing or I wasn't allowed Got to watch it. PG-13 movies, R movies. I wasn't allowed to play okay. games that were rated teen. You know, I could only play everyone. I games. grew up in a pirate's yeah. den. My mom swore like it was going out of style. Yeah. And even though not there even was religion, it was, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny the way it's like on the other side, it was, yeah. we were very cavalier in our, in the way we spoke in our home. Yeah. So I was not allowed to listen to that stuff. And then I also obviously in turn felt offended when I heard cuss words or somebody said fuck. And I was, I was like, <gasps> you know, like right. I had this internal visceral reaction to, sure, those, sure. to those words. And so I remember uh, I was listening to, I think it was Daniel Tosh. Who, who was doing a routine one time. And he said something about how I would know if you and I would get along, if you've ever said, oh, that's just not funny. Or like, you can't make fun of that or something like that. He was right. like, then we're not gonna get along because I think that you can make fun of anything or mm -hmm. like it, there, you can find humor in everything. Right. And I remember hearing that because I was offended at some of the stuff that he was saying, you know what I'm saying? So like him saying that, I was like, you know, it's actually like a fair point. Yeah. Like what you're saying has no bearing on me the only bearing that it has on me is me allowing it to have a bearing on me. Right. Is me allowing it to cause something inside of me to be upset. It's like, I think that there, it's the audience's responsibility to be able to look at stand-up comedy and go, I'm entering into a ring where somebody might throw a punch and I might get hit. Yeah. Yes. I'm in the ring. And that's part of the allure mm -hmm. and part of what, if it's a good show or a bad show, I could get hit. Yep. That's it. And, and that's what you've signed up for by going into a club. So to excerpt and then put it online and then have something to say about it is like, wow, that I don't even know. I don't even understand that kind of thing. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to know that person. I don't want to know yeah, right. anybody who would take an excerpt and say, here's why this person is a terrible human being. And Absolutely. then, and then on the, when you've never even met them or spent any time with them, but they didn't even see the act, yeah. didn't even read the book, didn't even, but, but then to, but then you're also, and this is probably even more detrimental. It's like, if you take a young comic, if you take some of the bullshit I said at 28, that I was just, you know, totally yeah, yeah. trying and trying to figure out where I see the world and my own philosophy, shortcomings, you know, over the top attitude idea. If you stunted my growth at that point, I wouldn't have even gotten to a place where I could then opine on my own ignorance sure sure which is even better right. to see a comic go on second like, thought i was flip their I was own. Wrong. Yeah, yeah right right i fucked up because i had relationship stuff growing up that was funny because i was on that side of the relationship and then as i get older now I, now i'm talking about things i'm like you know years ago i said a b and c it's funny now because i can look and go i can't believe i actually thought those things so yeah. you're stunting the growth of what could be somebody a mastery of stand up right. later, even more so by saying what you just did right now sucks. Yeah, it's right. like maybe they needed to suck today to be like genius. Well, not even a, a mastery of just stand up. It's like a mastery of life. That's how you get better at life. Right. Is like receiving new information, changing your mind True. about it, and becoming a more mature, well rounded human being. Like yeah. it's, it's part. If you if you prevent people from doing that or threaten their livelihood yeah. because of something that they said twelve years ago, it's like who? Which one of us is? exactly the same person we were 12 years ago this if is, that's you i kind of don't want to hang out with you this like, is where like the internet has like warp speed this thing of like everybody needs to know everything about yeah. you now and if they don't understand something you have to very quickly explain yourself yeah. so you can exist in their realm right and if you don't then a bunch of people a mob are going to get together and go we don't like the way you live your life right and they're just going to try to shut your 
your brick and mortar down, right. your ideas down, your your book club down, like whatever it is, it's just so cancerous. It's so unbelievably perplexing when you look at like the lottery pick of life that we get to live and to go like, how much of it are you going to spend trying to tell somebody else how not to live their life? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my goodness. Terrible. You have too much time on your hands. That's a lot like, of Go do something time. different. Man, that's like, you know, talk about wasted day. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. But that even that stuff, it's like, I've been talking about all this even on my, you know, show lately. And I think the next year of stand-up after I finish my touring October, November will be, you know, really exploring some of the places that, yeah, I w- places I thought I got it right and I clearly didn't. Mm-hmm. And places where, interestingly, and where it's been tricky to write but I'm getting it done is like this is also some places now that I'm a little older without coming off you know too much ego of like where you guys fucked up and don't know really me but I've stood the test of time to actually be able to show you now and so for all those reasons I think it kind of speaks to you know where society places you in a certain place because they want you to be a certain thing they love you as that thing or they love hating you is that thing. Yes. And God forbid you actually vocalize a better idea and make somebody go, now I have to come back to the table and say, I was wrong mm-hmm. and I actually like them. They don't want to get online and yeah, everybody, everybody gather around, yeah. gather around. <laughs> I like this person now. Yeah. They, they, they that don't play was that just game. one, yeah. ba- it was my bad day. <laughs> but, you know, stay tuned. We'll see how that set comes together and then we'll see if the internet responds. Yeah. How how did you feel kind of going through some of that? Because you went through, I mean, when you think of entertainment career, the ups and the downs that you've experienced are unlike, I mean, there's very few other stories that exist that are as similar to like, I I heard you on, I think it was Pete Holmes podcast saying something like rags to riches, rags to riches type of thing. Yeah. This massive, but it's not just like like rags, like middle class, blah, blah, blah. And then riches like, oh, I made a few hundred thousand dollars. Like the extreme and then the extreme and then everything in between that happened. It's like you're experiencing the biggest highs of life by selling out stadiums and and having specials on HBO right. and stuff. And then during that same time, you lose your mom and your dad right. in the same year to cancer. All this stuff happens with your manager and, and all this thing, you know, money stolen, all this other stuff that happens. And then you're kind of forced to go back and tour and sell stadiums yeah. and, and then get back on top. Tor- and then- it tore me down, but it also... I wouldn't have been able to say this at the time, but it was like one of those movies where it's like the whole village runs to protect themselves from whatever is coming. And then you're the only person that comes back up out of the soil (laughs) and you go like, okay, now I have to take everything I learned and I have to do it all over again, but this time without anybody's participation, or I need to find Mm -hmm. other people and go like, I'm building a new life, a new town. And I didn't realize until some years later how, oh man, I say this the right way because it's like I love my mom and dad and I miss them every day. And what they gave me and instilled in me is beyond words. But once they were gone, it was like I even felt from them the challenge here, honey, is showing everybody you didn't need anything or anybody that you're capable of being a contributing member of your community but also as a person who wants to still reap the benefits of hard work. And so after some years and, you know, going through some pretty hardcore lows, you know, like driving to a gig and just being like, I don't even know where I'm going. I don't know what gig I'm at. Hmm. I don't know where I'm at. Where am I? 
like not just today i forgot like every day like I, i'm on tour i don't know what i'm doing yeah and to reiterate drug free and alcohol free yeah just depressed which is like the opposite of how most people deal with that situation right you know yeah I, mean? I was feeling everything all the time yeah. and and i'm a ruminator i'm, I'm a, i love creatively thinking uh sure. and yet if i have negative thoughts i'm very good the storytelling when i'm in a negative yeah. mindset is like you can follow that path fucking too deep I followed it. I followed it all the way. I actually decided to follow it. I was mm. like, follow this path. Let me, let me, you know, things have been taken away from me. I'm, I hit an eight year run of success that felt like it wasn't just like, okay, this is the moment where I, I settle. It felt like I went off the edge and just fucking boom. Yeah. Well, like it, calling it success isn't even, doesn't explain it. The success it didn't you were feel like success at that point. Insane. Yeah. It, it all felt like, just very in the moment of like, okay, but it made me go, who am I really? Yeah. Based on these things that have happened to me, what kind of person do I want to be? I'm an empathetic person. I'm more sensitive than I even let on. I'm, I'm a lonely person. I, I need to, you know, from where I live to who I'm surrounded with, like I have people that are abandoner. It, it was always leading me to like, I'm, I'm protected because I end up by myself. Hmm. And then realizing like, oh no, I'm prepared for something completely different. Like who I was in 2005 to who I was in 2015 yeah. was just like a metamorphosis, hmm. you know? And the th only way I would have gotten there is by being like destroyed, you know? And, yeah. and I hope people can understand this, like, cause it's hardcore to talk about it, but it was very funny. Like <laughs> that kind of depression and that kind of like grieving and, and, you know, to be like, ah, I'm a very sad, rich person. <laughs> you know, like everybody feel bad. I'm, for me. Emotionally, I'm I'm busted out, but like I'm doing well. How? Yeah. Why am I sad? Well, like that, when you're talking to the girl with the arms crossed, you said something about like, you know, I'm gonna be really upset when yeah. I sit back in my garage and rest my head against my my Lamborghini, Lamborghini and just <laughs> cry. But but it was in that moment being like, oh, but I'm obviously like those things didn't matter as much to me as. You know what I went through, especially with my mom and dad, more than anything else, it was like it prepared me for what has now become. I would say in the last, especially like eight years, the happiest I've been personally and professionally. Hmm. So I do try to like when I see people going through it, like yeah. the undertow, bad. Give them a hug. I'm always here for you. Yeah, I mean that. It's quite literal. I'm here for you if you need me. I don't care what time it is you call. And then the third thing from that is just like, this is making you who you are. Your character is coming from this moment right here. Yeah. Doesn't come from success. Success gives you nothing but accoutrements. Hmm. It it gives you a big house. It gives you a bunch of shit. Yeah, makes no difference until you have breakdown moments or when someone's in need. And who are you to that person? It's the only place that you become. And if you don't have those moments, and I've seen some people that have like had had like almost too much success. Yeah. Those people almost become so out of touch yeah. that they don't know how to be there for somebody else. So for all those reasons, I'm, I miss my parents, but I'm thankful I went through everything I went through kind of all at once Yeah, because nothing will ever be that hard again. I was going to say that I'm prepared for anything. Life ripped the band. I'm here for, for you. Sure. Trust <laughs> me. If you call me, you go, dude, I'm going through it. I, I I'm like, I know. <laughs> let's breathe together eight seconds tongue on the roof of the mouth and we go through the whole fucking thing and we sit in a certain way and we fucking rub our we rub the and we take the breath and we look around and we go we're grateful we got hands toes fingers we get it 
and then you go now here's the best part like what is your purpose what do you want to fucking get into yeah and then you know there's a only opportunity from where we're sitting now only there's opportunity. only opportunity i love how much you talk about gratitude because it's one of the most underrated practices right that exists when it comes to mental health i think yeah well it's a word that comes with a stigma where it seems like you need to grow a long beard you right. need to be fucking like wearing a cloak and you need to On be like doing this and yeah. like gra right. I, gratitude it's like nah you can be like gratitude can be you know just that um acceptance of yeah. everything defines you right now and that's the best you yeah. are the best person defined by the best opportunities good and bad and being like i'm grateful for everything i learned from high watermark moments or fucking the abyss and allowing yourself to feel that full feeling of gratitude right yeah without and, just like moving on to the next thing no but that, that i mean again that's that's sometimes moving on to the next thing is like it's like just going to cold stone and being like mix everything in there it's like it just tastes good <laughs> but you know the calories catch up to you and you finally yeah. you look around and you go oh man the only thing that i've ever truly felt gratified by is what am i giving back to the people around me hmm. so that when they have their fucked up moments breakdown moments or even high watermark moments which can be equally as lonely i've made it to the top of the top and people that you think love you disappear and they're intimidated and there's a lot of jealousy and the animosity sure. and there's a number of reasons people will bail on you and so for both of those reasons like i i look and go you can have it all but you have nothing if you're not giving back to the people around you hmm. even at the cost of some will take some will take yeah some will take and go and that hurts too yeah yeah it hurts more to sit and have nothing to participate with what you've earned and learned yeah well, there, there's when you reached the level, like the pinnacle, like you did, it was like, there's just so few people on the planet that can relate to what you're like going through in that time. And it's got to be extremely long. It was. Yeah. It was like, I came out of, you know, Boston. I was the first in my group to pop. Yeah. And then like somebody like Burr was years away from having his moment. Mm. So, you know, even though that was my graduating class, they didn't, two things, they didn't really know how they to talk to me even though i was the same person mm -hmm. i think they mm -hmm. felt like it had to be different yeah but more so it was like they were comparing and going like why aren't i i feel insignificant sure and it made some people not be around me because and they would come to me years later and go like, i get it now like somebody <laughs> breaks through and they find i now i understand like yeah right what you were what you're going through but right now when i'm whether i'm writing or working with my team or or even just something I'm working on with my fiance or something like I'm pulling from so many different perspectives not yeah. just what how to make something work but like to go like oh how do we put things in there that make this more identifiable to people that understand not everything always is perfect sure you know perfectly shattered is the name of my tour because the shit that broke apart led me to it a place where, because I did the work today, I feel the best I've ever felt. Perfectly shattered. I wouldn't change a thing, but I still had to go through some, you know, tough tides to to enjoy today. Yeah, so right. acceptance, gratitude, and uh, cold stone ice cream with everything mixed in. <laughs> Try it one time. It's fucked. You get a crazy headache, but I promise there's a lot of good bites in there. <laughs> Is there any advice you have for somebody that's like in the thick of that right now? That's just as like, far as what. Just like listening right now and they're like, man, I'm at that rock bottom moment like yeah. right now. And yep. it feels like I, I was I was literally having a conversation with a buddy last night who's like going through it right now. Yeah. And we're talking about it. And 
try to like give some perspective to to be like if you believe that the long term of life is going to bring satisfaction and happiness every person i've ever had on my show we're coming up on like 900 episodes been doing this for Amazing. a few years and talk to a variety of super successful people in business entrepreneurship comedy yep. sports entertainment everything and it's, it's like the thing that they all have in common is that crazy rough patch yeah. where everything seemed to be like what like what the fuck is happening like, like you said I'm the running rock into bottom. this obstacle yeah the rock bottom what, yeah. what do you what do you what do you do in that moment to like bring some perspective in and be like this yeah. only exists in a moment and it's probably what's going to define right. who i am for the rest of my life yeah you are not your environment you're brought into an environment maybe you were placed in an environment there's a whole big wide world out there and sometimes the very first thing that you need to do is quite literally get up and walk and go someplace that you've never been before hmm. and be impacted by different sights and sounds. I would do this in New York City a lot. I was very, I deal with a lot of anxiety, not as much as I used to. I'm, I know my stuff. I know how yeah. to like take care of myself, but at that point, and I had to relinquish my power hmm. on a lot of days, relinquish your power. That means like, don't feel so tethered to the environment into hmm. the moment. You can change, you can change everything. You can choose to get a, break up or get a divorce or go get help for yourself or leave an abusive situation or on the other hand take your skills and abilities and you can go someplace where you know those skills and abilities would be greater appreciated hmm. so your environment is just where you're at right now think of it as like um a shitty truck stop on a very long journey and you pulled into the one where there's no great food there's a bad vending machine and there's a bomb in the bathroom yeah yeah, yeah. it's just a fucking weird dude skulking <laughs> around he doesn't even have a vehicle he's just coming in out of the woods but you don't you're you're on the move i think that it's real easy to start feeling like you are stalled hmm. you are not stalled if you have the ability in any way shape or form to to move you can create momentum you can do it in the you know forgive like a a, a bad corny version like you're sitting in a pool you can start doing this and you can turn that into like incredible waves and move everything around. Mm. I'm a firm believer that just that walk and just seeing new places and sights, yeah. oxygen to the brain yeah. and thinking and starting to implement some positive affirmations, I would recommend that as well. Even if you have, you have to Google what are 10 great positive affirmations, do it. Mm. And look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and admit to you and only you that you're fucked up. And that maybe you're also part of the problem. Oof. Don't be afraid to know that you have to change that environment both because either you're you're being impacted negatively or you're impacting that environment negatively. If you can do that, oh man. That's the tough part right there. It's hey, but when you're alone and you look in the mirror and you go, I used to do this, man. You know, talk to my, you know, looking, really looking into your soul and being like, you know. I won't say what I would say, but like I was tough on myself. Sure. You know, because only you know. Yeah. Only you know what you've done, who you are, what you got, how happy, sad, whatever. So you look in the mirror, you do those affirmations. You ever see the, there's a study online, the smile study. I don't know what they actually call yeah. it about like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like just smiling. Mm -hmm. The, the, the that physical act of smiling can sends like mood. a little yeah. bit of dopamine to your brain. It's, it's, it's something in like what, like the, in like the animal, you know world that yeah. like certain animals like certain facial expressions 
you know, cause and effect or, but even just smiling at yourself and allowing yourself to like, okay, here's some good thoughts. Here's this walk that I'm going to take. I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. A new direction, one mile in a new direction. Mm -hmm. And then you get back home, you feel good. And then you go like, what if I went two miles in a new direction? What Hmm. if I went 50 miles in a new direction? Yeah. You know, but you can't um, wallow. You can't, idle mind is a devil's workshop. I'm very good. If I sat very still and just allowed myself to let things overcome me, I'd still be sitting in Boston in a little (laughs) apartment going like, I'm not good enough. I suck. Nobody, nobody likes me. They all want me to be different. I'm so I hope yeah. that that, you know, little bit of movement can take you anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. The first step yeah. is the hardest one. Yeah. 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 But it, it can literally, you know, you are not your environment. Mm. You're not tethered to it at all. You can, you could get up and go somewhere and say, Hey, everybody that I love, I need a year and I'm going to go to that place, San Diego for a year. Mm. And then I'm going to come back and figure out what in this room I really even need or want, or maybe I don't want any of it. Yeah. Right. You know, so realizing that you have all possibility in front of you. If you can think a thought and you can move around, you have the ability to do anything. You can become anything. Yeah. It's real easy to think that we don't make that wave, yeah. that we're not able to move things around us. It's easy to think, oh, no, there's a whole, too many people around me doing that. But like you're as important as everybody else that's making those moves. Yeah. And the 10 years from now could look completely different than what right now looks It like. will. It yeah. will no matter what. This thing that we're in, it's not conducive to sitting still. You're not allowed. We're not allowed. If I said to you, mm. listen, dude, I got enough cash and provisions. Yeah. We've got air conditioning. we got TV. we got some cool people around us. This is our spot. Boom. That's not the, the universe. Somebody, oh, we're demolishing the building. You guys got to. Yeah. It's constantly right. doing you this. And when you try to and get, sit yeah. and go, I'm safe. It's just not what we mm. signed up for. Yeah. So don't be the person that it fu- it moves you. Be the person that's already on the move. So the universe is like, all right, these guys can't catch going. up. Let me yeah. let me focus on this motherfucker sitting there <laughs> yeah. doing nothing. Thinks he's safe. Thinks he's safe. <laughs> thinks he's got everything. And 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 on the opposite side, it's like you, you can you could have it all. You could have everything. You know, one thing comes along, and your big beautiful home is you know sadly you know something happens to it, and you're like, I got to rebuild. Right. I get that means I have to go back to work. That means that I have to live somewhere else for there's a multitude of things that sitting still and not keeping that that momentum and movement yeah. like it'll get you it'll come back to get you well, what are you working on now man what's got you excited oh boy well i wish i could really talk full-fledged about it we're in a strike obviously with sag i'm a proud member of sag since 96 and so some things have been stalled and stunted as we you know stay hopeful mm-hmm. for you know some great change to come out of that the stand-up comedy world, fortunately, is able to. We're you know still able to put out content and tour. It's a nice thing about writing your own stuff. Huh? Yeah, it's really <laughs> very gratifying. B- bittersweet though, because it's like you know I'm out there and I get to be out on the road. And there's trust me, there's actors where I'm like, man, I wish that yeah, you were sure. funny in front of an audience. I wish I could help. You know what yeah, I mean? That'd yeah. be another way that you you could uh, look and go, like, all right, what, how can I expand my platform? Sure. But that being said, I, I'm very hopeful and I stay optimistic. For me, it's like touring, being back out there now on my 15th major tour, the second phase of it, the Perfectly Shattered Tour, October, November dates take us through Texas and Florida, back through Boston for a couple of shows, Ontario, Canada, and then like 10 or 12 other spots. Nice. I'm editing above it all two. So the we did two nights in a row at my home when we filmed that. Oh, okay. 
And the second show is completely different. Nice. And so you've been sitting on this for a minute, then. editing it because I wanted it to look and feel very different from part one. Okay. So, and there was a lot of great crowd work and stuff. People were sitting on my lawn, not knowing they were coming to my house. They were, I shuttled oh, people really? in and they had no clue they were coming to my front lawn. Wow. They thought they were just seeing a secret Dane Cook show at like some theater or a club. Yeah. And so now they're, you know, sitting on. And so for the second night, I spent a lot of time telling stories that also involved, much like the show you saw, kind of conversing with people. Yeah. So Above It All 2 will have a different title, but we're editing it now, and I'm hoping that by the end of the summer I finish that. And the goal there is I've been offered some distribution channels, but I'm enjoying self-distributing, and I'm about that, yeah. finding a way to not only make it lucrative, you know, monetization-wise, I just like owning my IP, sure. and I like being able to try and sometimes fail a little bit, but mostly it's been successful to share that with some other artists coming up to be like, hey, there are very cheap options to self-distribution that yeah. you could, you know, you could make bank if you right. zeitgeist it up a little bit. Or um, So for a number of reasons, I'm excited about that. And then a new special we're going to film at the end of the tour in like November. When you decided to do self-distribution, because it's this is like a big thing in the comedy world right now, right, is where, you know, you have these streaming platforms that are giving some lucrative deals and then you have some people that are self-producing and then they put it on YouTube, but then right. YouTube has control and they can shut it down or they can restrict ads or like not monetize as much. So you went like full self-distribution. Right. You basically sell on your website. I think I uh, watched on Amazon Prime. Uh, you watch on Apple TV. It's on well. Google Play, Google Apple Play. TV, Amazon Prime, of course, my website, and then like 30 other factions are, are yeah. around the world. And then I don't want to give it all away, but like, and now we're expanding it even further okay. through my distribution partners. This is a group that I'll talk about more as time goes on to be able to say like, these guys can come into your world, you own your IP, and all they're looking to do is for their fee, they don't own a piece of it, they're not taking a piece of it, they just literally help you to get distributors distributed in yeah. the right way, in a beautiful way, in a way that like you want to present without anybody impeding and saying, I oh, need this poster, or we don't like your title, or you should change your look. It's just so fulfilling because this is something I wanted to be able to like, you know, in 2001, when I got my first record deal, I kind of knew I was getting screwed. I was already reading contracts with my attorneys and trying to like learn legalese that yeah, yeah. in certain words. And I'm like, ooh, like, you know. I don't know why, but I feel like I'm being raked over the coals. Uh, or even just like certain words where you're like, but this is talking about streaming. And what if the word streaming is called something else in five years? What if mm. they, and it did, it went from downloading to something to streaming. Yeah. Yeah. And those little caveats change the way they feel they need to share revenue with you. So just always dreaming of a world where you could go, man, what if I didn't need to lease it to that person yeah. to where they go, well, if we're producing it with you, we, we, we own more of it. Like some of my stuff I don't own outright. Mm -hmm. It's a bummer because you're sure. like, oh man, like if they well, sit literally on literally your stuff. Yeah, it's my stuff <laughs> yeah. and I made it, I wrote it and like, yeah. you know, you barely see a royalty from it versus the things that over the like the last 15 years I've had the chance to self-produce and lease out to certain entities or now distribute and you go, it's fun to wake up in the middle of the night, log in and go, this is globally going right into my company. Yeah. And what do I want to do next sure. from it? Okay, this is work. Because that's my yeah. whole thing too. It's like I'll buy a cool pair of sneakers once in a while or tell my fiance like, all right, we'll do some fun shit or like I'll take you somewhere. But I've always just wanted to fold everything right back into what else can I make? Sure. Yeah. So that's right. kind of where we're looking. You're to an take artist. It. I mean, that's 
that's what gets you fired up. It's right? it's the only thing that yeah. gets me fired up. Is <laughs> like, what can I try to do? And if I'm not great at it or good at it, or maybe even shouldn't be doing it, like, what can? How can I give this a shot? So yeah. for all those reasons, I I feel like the next year ahead are going to be. I'm I'm very enthused about it. Good man. Well, look, I I very much appreciate you taking the time. You're a very busy man. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, thanks we'll for see each other out. on DM. I'm sure we'll be after yeah. this like. <laughs> Hitting each other up and shooting the shit before you know it. Yes, sir. Thanks so much for coming on, man. If you're watching this, checking this out, Above It All is the most recent special. Maybe even by the time this comes out, Above It All 2 might be even close to being finished or recently finished. So Apple TV, Google, Amazon, DaneCook.com. Follow Dane at DaneCook. I'm sure you already are. If you're not, what are you doing? If you want <laughs> if you want some good laughs. And, and and honestly, somebody who makes me think a lot too. Like, I, I, like, I like a lot of your stuff because oh, man, thank you. I love people who who make me laugh, but also throw some stuff out there, yeah. make some stuff every, every once in a while that make me go like, oh, that's a really Fun to laugh, fun to talk shop, and yeah. even more interesting sometimes to figure out like what makes somebody tick and yes. how did they do what they did. So thank you for providing an opportunity for me to get into all the, the nitty gritty bullshit. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. you, man. Thank you. Cool. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet and leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.